0: This is a Radio 191 FM podcast. Yes, it is. It's a
1: podcast and you love it. We've now got Dr. Rebecca Stringer with a critical take on the Barbie film. To our listeners out there, if you have not yet seen the Barbie film and are planning on watching it, I advise to listen with caution as there are a few spoilers ahead. Hi Rebecca, how are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm great as well, thanks. So what were your initial thoughts on the film? Did you enjoy it? What were your thoughts around the plot? All of that sort of thing.
0: Okay, so I went to see the Barbie film last week in Dunedin and one of the things I absolutely loved about it, so there's the film, but then there was the active cinema there was the fact that the cinema was packed. It was such a post-COVID story. The cinema was packed. People were loving it. There was heaps of laughter. Large groups of people and family groups together enjoying the film. So I wanted to, you know, for me, in, in terms of criticising a film, if you manage to kind of having, have that kind of experience of it, that's part of the yeah. film, you know. It creates this sort of experience. Okay, so the plot, Right. So it's being kind of billed as something of a feminist film, as a film that is kind of really speaking to those feminist themes because broadly what happens is, you know, Barbie is in Barbie land and then certain things lead her to go to the so-called real world where she is confronted with a hard reality that, you know, in the real world things are patriarchal, as the yeah. film is constantly saying. So the, film patri- the term patriarchy is used all the time. Um, but in the, in you know, Barbie land, women dominate kind of thing. It's a matriarchy. So I thought that was a good example of, you know, those feminist themes kind of being turned into, uh, you know, it's popular feminism, mm. right? So it's that idea that really we're more and more versed in feminist ideas as we go along. Um, but I want to say this, right? For me, the Barbie film is really great. The reason why – sure, you can make a feminist critique of it, right? There are problems with the gender role reverses and things like that. But what I really liked about it is that it's more BLO than it is Mattel advertising. Now, the BLO is the Barbie Liberation Organisation from the early 90s, a group of culture jammers. They're the people who bought a bunch of talking Barbies and a bunch of talking G.I. Joes did the technical work to swap the voice boxes over and then put them back in the store in time for Christmas. So we had kids on Christmas morning waking up, unpacking their GI Joe to find it it says, let's go shopping. Mm. Unpacking their Barbie and finally the Barbie says, eat lead. So the purpose of the gender swaps that the BLO did were to point out that these dolls are carrying to our kids narrow gender norms. Uh, that really have a narrow imagining. So for me, the Barbie film succeeds because it carries the spirit of the BLO, you know, the Barbie Liberation Organisation, rather than simply reading like a Mattel advertisement. Mm. I've said enough. Let's move (laughs) on to the next question. Sorry, I had a lot to say there. Great
1: take, great take. Um, For those that haven't seen the movie... Oh, for those that have seen the movie, sorry. You'll be aware that Mattel, the company that produces the Barbie and Ken dolls, paints themselves in quite a positive light in the film. Do you think that this may take away from viewers, like their criticalness of the company in regards to its mass production and massive carbon footprint?
0: Yeah, so this is the thing, isn't it? Mattel in the film. So Mm. it's not like with the Lego film where we don't really see the makers of Lego Mm. Um, It's a little bit... There are references, by the way, in Barbie to the story of Pinocchio, the -hmm. whole thing of her meeting her maker. So there's an older story set of stories about toys that are kind of mobilised here. But in terms of how Mattel is depicted, they're they're depicted as this kind of male-dominated, greedy corporation, Mm. but that's sort of sent off in a kind of a light way, and we're not led to think seriously about what that means. And so... For me, in relation to the Barbie film, um, it's really important to understand that in the real world, uh, unlike how the real world is depicted in the film, in the real world Barbie is non-biodegradable plastic. So it's polyethylene plastic, the kind of plastic you can break down but you cannot... um, uh, Sorry, that you can remould but it's not going to break down. Um, It's disastrous for land and marine environments and standing in the warehouse in South Dunedin the other day and looking at the tsunami of pink Barbie stuff that they've put in the store to mm-hmm. match the film was actually really disconcerting. So Mattel is depicted as this kind of greedy male-dominated company but not as sponsoring environmental ha- hazard and not as sponsoring really poor labour relations. So mm. as a multinational you know, Mattel has been sourcing the cheapest labor it can find in southern and eastern Asia to make these Barbies. It's been doing that for decades. There's a huge controversy about it in the '90s. More recently, there have been some reports about the factory that Barbies are made in, um, talking about you know really poor labor conditions. So so people living at work. So it's indentured labor. Their movements throughout the day are very tightly controlled. Mm. They are severely underpaid, and in one of the reports that I read from an NGO, it was like there was this systemic situ- sexual harassment going on, and workers had no recourse. Right. Mm. So Mattel in the re- it's almost like Mattel in the film is depicted as somewhat bad, but really when you look at Mattel's yeah. profile in the real world, you see a bunch of deeply concerning factors about environmental hazard and labor relations that really aren't registered in the film. They weren't Mm. prepared to go that far. That's where they part company with the Barbie Liberation Organisation, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What do you think Mattel could do to change or reduce their carbon footprint while still producing the Barbie dolls? Any different materials or ways that they could make them?
0: That's a hard question because we've got to remember that carbon footprint itself is a corporate concept. Mm. Um, I I gather British Petroleum designed that concept to kind of... Because, of course, in our time, British Petroleum are the perpetrator, right? Mm -hmm. So they are very concerned to hand, you know, questions around the environment onto others and to say, hey, you might criticise BP, but what about your carbon footprint? So the concept of carbon footprint was created for that. So let's be aware that in this space... We're often using concepts that corporates – corporates are desperate to mm. look good in this context, and it's very hard for them, too, because everything they do is kind of skewed toward that environmental hazard. So I would say um, – the, the other thing is greenwashing, right? So if you go on to Google and say, is Barbie biodegradable, right, um, you're going to get your pink sparkles that, that, you know, Google are putting on for the Barbie film right now. And then you're going to get all of these stories that we call greenwashing, which is about how Barbies are made now of ocean-going plastic and recycled plastic. And there have been Barbie amnesties where they've gotten old Barbies and melted them into new Barbies. Mm. So they're trying, right? They're at least trying to appear as though they understand what's happening with the planet. Um, I would say none of those measures are enough. And also part of what we need to do here is rethink the place of plastic in childhood. Um, Kids seem to be drowning in plastic toys, okay? So don't mean to have a controversial statement there, but certainly one thing I noticed as a mum was that you're just forever invited to purchase plastic for your child. And there's almost a sense in which you're not taking proper care of them if you're not doing that. So I'm not sure Mattel belong in the future, you know, plastic toys belong in the future, Mm. And, you know, there's Greta Gerwig who made the film. Um, what a brilliant director. And then there's Greta Thunberg, right? So how is she imagine, reimagining childhood for this age? I would, I would ask Greta, you know, Greta Thunberg about Barbie and her future. That She would be the authoritative source for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Little switch tack here, but what are your opinions on that anti-men discourse surrounding the film?
0: Oh, the anti-men discourse. So the idea that Barbie is a film that kind of hates on men.
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah. So it's sort of interesting because one of the problems with popular feminism, so feminism that isn't really, hasn't kind of done that work of engaging with feminist philosophy that's been, you know, generated over over many decades um, and there is a kind of a lack of sophistication to popular femi- popular feminism. And sometimes I find that it actually does operate as reverse sexism. Mm. Uh, and that's one of the problems with popular feminism, with not sitting down with the books and reading the books women have written around feminism, is that it, the gender reversal just says, oh, well, instead of women being the ones who are seen as problematic, let's make it men for a while and let's kind of ridicule them. And so that gender reversal thing is pre-feminist, and while I don't think Ben Shapiro was justified in, in you know, burning Barbies and then inciting others to, um, I do. I would want to say that with popular feminism, we get a kind of reverse sexism that is, you know, kind of boring and doesn't take us anywhere. Yes. Um, which, as I say, though, I'm not saying. That Ben Shapiro was right. I think that was obviously a bit of a stunt, uh, some sort of funny tantrum there.
1: <laughs> yeah. And finally, do you think there have been any themes or messages that people may have missed from the film that are a good takeaway for people to take into their day to day lives?
0: Oh, what a lovely question because, you know, the feminist high point of the film. Of course, America Ferrara steals the show, right? Yes. No spoilers there, but really my feeling was that she yes. stole the show. And there was that speech that she makes, right? So there's this magnificent speech from her that really is the place in the film where we're f- we're seeing feminist themes come out a kind of feminist critique of the difficult every day of the working mum. And so I've noticed that that speech is available online. You know, do you want to read her speech in full? And so people are obviously wanting to do that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to. Afterwards, I thought, wow, I wish I could read that. And so uh, I feel like, yeah, that was the high point. Mm. And do go online. If you're not going to see the film, do look the speech up and have a read because I say that's where we see Barbie deliver mm. a real feminist critique there. Um, has that? <laughs> yeah, that was great.
1: And the speech, it was incredible. Wasn't we were it? all watching it, all my friends, and we just all looked at each other like, wow, like so much respect to our parents, to our mothers, and then even just seeing it ourselves at some of those points in our own lives. So it was incredible. And I do recommend to anyone out there to look that speech up.
0: And see, this is the thing. This is a great film, a film mm. that can move you in those ways and have you having those kinds of thoughts and conversations with others. That's a film that is doing the medium of film justice, you know. Yes. And so this is where, you know, the Barbie film, definitely go see it. It's awesome. Of course, we can make critiques. Yes. Uh, but it's, it's all kinds of awesome. That was a fucking Radio 1 podcast, mate. There's heaps more at r1.co.nz.